In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This uh, passage of the Samaritan woman was read to us about seven weeks ago, in the fourth Sunday of the Holy Great Fast. And it's read for us two times during the, the calendar year, the liturgical calendar year. Um, and I think the focus uh, when we read it during the Holy Great Fast is her repentance and her restoration. Because during the Holy 50 Days, it's a time for us to live this life of repentance. But in the Holy 50 Days, um, the focus is a little bit different. And the focus today is about Christ being the source of life, the living water. Um, and that through Him, all live. I'd like to reflect just a couple of points this morning about this living water. And about water. Uh, number one, if we'll notice in the story, the Lord begins the story by asking her uh, for a drink. He says, give me a drink. As if the Lord here is telling her, give me this drink, this natural water, and in exchange for the natural water, I will give you the life-giving water. So there's this exchange or transaction that's going to happen between, or that's requested to happen between this Samaritan woman and between the Lord. And through the story, we see that this actually happens. He asked her for this natural water. And of course, the natural water is something that we drink, but we will thirst again, right? And again and again. But Christ said, if you drink of this living water, you will never thirst again. Uh, and as the story progresses, you'll find that she ends up telling him the truth of her life and repenting, and then... God revealing to him himself to her, and when she knows that he's the Messiah, she leaves the water pot and goes and tells the people in Samaria. So she came offering this natural water. He gave her a life-living water, which she then went to share with others. So if you'll notice also in the Pauline from today, we also have a similar exchange that's happening between the old man and the new man. Look what the look what Saint Paul says. He says, and this is from Colossians uh, chapter 3. He says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. So he says, okay, this is something that we, as the old man, we need to put off, right? He says, first anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. So he's saying these are the things we need to put off. So whether it's cursing, whether it's saying, you know, inappropriate kind of jokes, whether it's this uncontrolled anger in the form of wrath, or whether it's speaking about people, whether it's blasphemy, speaking against God, all of these things are the works of the old man. So he says, put off these things, right? Because once you become the new man, you receive the Holy Spirit, this living water, then you ought to live a different life. And then he says, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. Therefore, as elect, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, now what is he saying? As you left these, I want you to put on something new. And he says what? Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. And I think all of these things are things the world needs today. You know, this kindness, this mercy. Everybody is in this craze in, in, the, the, in the media and so on of dealing with each other with justice, with zero mercy, right? And being cool with one another and scandalizing each other online. This is the works of the old man. 
If we become this new man, we partake of this life-giving water, which is the Holy Spirit, then we ought to have a new way of approach. And then he continues, says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. My beloved, we, there must be this willful giving up of the old carnal ways. This is why the Lord begins the discussion by saying, give me a drink. Give me the things that are old, and I will give you the things that are new and far superior and better. And only then, when we do this, can we adequately prepare to receive the new man. I want to bring your attention to the wedding of Cana of Galilee. If you remember, this was the wedding that Christ and his disciples attended. Some people use this and say, well, the Lord here sanctioned the drinking of wine and so on. Uh, I don't think the Lord and his disciples will be in a, in, a, in, a, in a party or gathering where there'll be a bunch of drunkards, right? So this wine is not the wine that makes one drunk, right? Just to, you know, clear the, clear the slate here. What does the Lord do? He waits until all of the old wine is consumed. Then they says, we have no more wine. So St. Mary intervened. Do you think that the people were getting drunk? St. Mary would son, say to the Lord, make more, make more uh, wine. Uh, this doesn't match with anything in the Bible about God, right? But the Virgin Mary came and said to him, Lord, they have no more wine. And he told them to go fill up the pots with water. And he changed the water into wine. And if you remember, what does the servant say? He says, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning, uh, so what happened was, is that they tasted this new wine and they said, wait a minute, this is the better wine. Usually if you come to some kind of feast or some kind of banquet, the better things are offered first. And if it finishes, then they get anything better from the refrigerators and they, they whatever is left over, we, we offer. So people don't leave hungry or thirsty. But you leave the best, you offer that first. And they're, 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 you know, they're astounded. Okay, how's it now that the better is offered last? But then look at the verse that comes after. He says, This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So this was the beginning of the manifestation of his glory, which again is what he wants for all of us. So he says, this is the old. The old was the old wine. But in order before the new comes, before the new comes, we must get rid of the old. There must be this exchange, giving up the old and taking the new. <clears throat> there must be this voluntary emptying of the old ways to be filled with the new life-giving water. The second thing we see about the living water is that it's reflective. As we know in the scripture, it speaks about two primary uh, forms of water. You have the seas and oceans. Um, and then you have like the rivers. The seas and oceans are the salt type of water. And this we see as the, the Bible references this kind of water as judgment. Like in the flood. Like the flood waters were as a judgment to the people at the time of Noah. But the rivers are filled with fresh water, which actually nourishes. Right? The salt water doesn't nourish, but the, the fresh water does. But we'll find something interesting that happened. If you find in, uh, if you continue reading through the Bible and you get to the end of Revelation and uh, chapter 22, it also speaks about water in the book of Revelation. But you'll find here it speaks about both a living water and a reflective water. 
You know the the river, the water, like in a, in a lake or even a calm sea, is reflective. You can see the sky and the sea. You see the mountains on the water and so on. Look what it says about the the water that's in heaven. He begins chapter 22 and says, "And he showed me a pure river of water of life." Again, we usually don't see reflections in river because they're moving, right? It's hard to see a reflection. But he says, he makes reference to the river of life-giving water because this is what we knew of the river throughout the Bible. This life-giving water was usually like river water, which was fresh water. He says, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So you have this water flowing from the throne of God that's clear as crystal. So when you see a body of water that's clear as crystal, what image do you find? You find exactly what's above it, right? If you have a mountain, the image of the mountain will be reflected in the water. So now if you have this clear crystal water under the throne of God, what do you see in the water? You see the throne of God. You see Christ himself, right, in this water. So now you have this living water that's reflective, that now is being given as a source of nourishment to those who are in heaven. As if the um, as if uh, the author is saying that this image, the Lord's image, or the reflection of His image, ought to be on the faces of all those who consume this water. So in our life here, knowing this about heaven, that we ought, that in heaven we will be in the reflection of Christ, or we have the reflection of Christ, then we begin to live the same here on earth, to have Christ's reflection in us. So when people look at us they see Christ. Or maybe they see an element or an aspect of Christ. They see Christ's purity, His innocence, His love, His compassion, His mercy. They see in us. And you know, if you um, uh, if you read through Scripture, you'll find in some cases this was the case. When you, for example, go to Moses, who went and met God face to face, the reflection of God was left on his face. When he came down from the mountain, his face was so bright that the people put a veil in front of his face. Do you remember that was St. Stephen when he was being stoned? What the people said? They said that his face is like the face of an angel, right? It's radiant. Although they were stoning him, but yet because he was reflecting the light of Christ and the life of Christ, they saw in him, the one whom they were stoning, as somebody who had like the face of an angel. And here I want to point out, in the, like when we look at the life of St. Stephen and the life of all of the righteous saints and martyrs, is that we need to let our deeds be without conviction and our words be true. Right? Let our deeds be without conviction and our words be true. When somebody attacks you, they can attack your deeds and they can attack your words. Right? We, 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 what's in our control are our deeds and our actions. Let our deeds be blameless and our words be true. So when the people attack us, they only attack our words. And they attack our words not because they are false, but because they are true and they don't like the truth. This, when we endure this, what the Lord said about you know, the, the blessing of those who endure suffering for His sake, falsely, they'll inherit the kingdom of heaven when we do this. So let our actions be blameless and our words be true. So when people come to accuse us, they accuse our words of truth, which will in turn judge them. 
but not our actions. Let our actions be blameless, as there was in the life of St. Stephen and St. Paul. Um, and the same thing with the Lord. If you look in the life of the Lord as well, what did they blame him? They blamed him because they said he blasphemed. And then remember when he was in front of the high priest being judged, and then they, uh, the, the, the servant slapped him because he was speaking against the high priest, the Lord responded and said, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? So he's saying, I'm speaking the truth and I'm speaking well. Why do you strike me? Right? So now here they are striking him not because of his poor conduct or not because of the, what he spoke was false. They spoke, they struck him because they didn't like the truth that was in his mouth. Right? But he himself was blameless. And this was witnessed by all those, you know, during the crucifixion. Pilate said this, his wife said this, right? The centurion and so on. The Lord's image will be also on the faces or foreheads of those in heaven. Another point we add to this point is if we look again in Revelations, we find that this image or this reflection of Christ on the believers is written on their forehead. He says what? They shall see his face and his name shall be on their forehead. So when something is on somebody's forehead, who sees it? You or me? You see it. I don't see anything on my forehead, right? Only you see it. So this shows us, okay, when we bear the image of Christ, we bear it with humility. That it might be evident to those, everybody else, but to me, I don't see it. To me, I look at myself and say, I'm nothing comparing to Christ and have a long way to go. I'm just beginning my life. And let the people see Christ in me, but in me, I see somebody who is poor, naked, and uh, weak. The third thing we see about the water is that water is present in everywhere. Every cell of our body has water. When they're exploring space and other planets, the first thing they're looking for for life is they're looking for water. And this water is a source of life just as the Holy Spirit is a source of life for all the believers and for all those um, who are invited to be Christian. And this Spirit is what... It's desiring to transform us into the image of Christ uh, all the time. And this transformation, it's not God's desire to transform an aspect of our life, but every aspect of our life. Sometimes we feel like, you know, well, there's a certain aspect of me in church, and there's a certain aspect to me at work, and there's certain rules that govern my life in church, and certain rules that govern my life in business and in school and my peers and so on. But this was never, this is never the right idea. You know, when the uh, Lord told us the first commandment, He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? With all your soul and with all your mind. All. He doesn't say some or part, but He wants all. He wants every aspect of our life to be governed and sanctioned by the Holy Spirit, this life-giving Spirit that is within us. Thus, we should desire to live the life that the Lord gives us um, in every aspect of our life. Even even the online aspect of our life. Sometimes we feel that it's very easy to say things that are mean, rude, and obscene online because we're just facing a screen. Perhaps what we write, we would never say to somebody in their face because of the reaction that people get. But somehow we have this false sense of security that if I say it online, there are no repercussions. This is completely false. 
Just as the Lord told us that the sin begins in the heart, if it begins in the heart, it doesn't matter how it comes out, whether it's by word, whether it's typing, or whether it's even by thought. It's all the same, right? So again, every aspect of our life, even the online aspect, when people are making comments about something and saying things that are rude or hurtful, and I join in on this, then what kind of life are we, you know, expressing now? Is this the life, the life-giving water that I'm expressing? Am I showing the image of Christ, or am I showing the old man, the old man? That's why, again, in the the last verse in the Pauline today, Saint Paul tells us: "And whatever you do in word or deed, do all, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." Lastly, the living water should be shared by those who enjoy it. The living water is naturally shared by those who enjoy it. Those who felt the change of their life from coming to Christ or a way that God touched their life and their life changed because of this, they naturally have this inclination to want to share it. It's like tasting something really nice at a restaurant that's really delicious and you want to tell your friends about it. I had this cake or I had this meal at this restaurant and it was really amazing. You have to go try it. If I tasted the Lord and He changed my life, then I'll naturally tell people. And I'll tell them with a conviction that's not maybe a philosophical or a theological conviction, but the one that's a personal conviction. And that's by far the most powerful. right? As we saw with this woman, she came broken and she met the one who cared for her, rebuked her gently, and revealed himself to her, and she fell in love with him, and she left her pot completely, perhaps being thirsty, to go and tell the people of Samaria, come see the one who told me all that I ever did. This sharing of the message of God with other people does not need to be complicated. It's very simple. You can be with your group of friends, and somebody says a bad word, and I just say, hey, and I call them out on it. Very, very gently, right? Or somebody, you know, is going to church and they can encourage somebody, hey, I'm going to church, why don't you, you know, come with me? You know, so these small things, these small things are very effective. And I have seen and witnessed many people come to the church, not because of what Abuna says, but because of these small works that you all do. And these small works that you all do are far more effective than the preaching and things we do here. It's more effective. Relaxed with your friends. Just takes a little bit of, you know, courage and encouragement to encourage people to do the right thing. And when we do this, we're sharing this life-giving water with others that we yourself or you yourself have tasted. And when you do this, you know, we expand the kingdom of heaven. Right? Just as the Samaritan woman came, many people believed because maybe of not what she said, but be certainly because of her invitation. Right? So maybe somebody out there will become Christian or become Orthodox because of your invitation, because of your small talk, right? Um, <clears throat> I'll mention this in the announcements at the end, but uh, on May 28th, we'll have the Global Coptic Day. And the purpose of this day is to tell people who are not Orthodox about our church and to bring them here. There's going to be a wonderful event with different type of you know things here in the church to introduce them to the church and in the CYC. So again, all it takes is one invitation 
to one person that you know a friend. Right? I encourage you all to do this and participate in this day. And I'll give you the details of it, you know, during the announcements. So we see this life-giving water. It was Christ asked for this natural water in exchange for the living water. So there's this emptying of the old to be given something new. We also saw that this uh, living water is reflective as we should strive to reflect the image of Christ uh, in humility. Number three, we said that the water is present everywhere and this living water ought to flow out of every aspect of our life. Um, And lastly, the living water should be shared with all those who enjoy it. To God be the glory forever. Amen.